We are closing out a series called The Timeline. Everybody say The Timeline. It's been really, really cool. So what we have been doing is we have been walking through the most incredible timeline that's ever happened in our history. And that is the timeline of Jesus's life, our Savior's life. And so the very first week, everybody say week one. I got to make you say stuff so that I can know you're awake. The first week I preached a message called preparing the way. Because there was a man, his name was John the Baptist, and his whole job, his whole purpose in life was to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And everybody say his first coming. So John the Baptist came and his goal was to prepare the people for the first coming of the Messiah, the Lord. And so that was his job and that's what he did. And the message was about our job and our purpose and our job and our purpose is to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus, prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. Because if you're in here, you know that there's two different places that my eternal soul is gonna go. It's either gonna go to heaven or it's gonna go to hell. And I don't know about you, but I wanna go to heaven. And so because I wanna go to heaven and I want my family to go to heaven and I want my friends to go to heaven, I have a job to prepare the way for the second coming so that me and all of my people, we're going to heaven together. That is your job. That is my job as a Christian. Week number two, I preached a message. It's probably my, my favorite message that I've preached in weeks. It was called Friend of Sinners. Yo, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful. I've talked about the fact that Jesus came. He did not come for religious people. Do y'all know that Jesus didn't come for churchy people? Matter of fact, the churchy people is the ones that killed him. Some of us have been threatened by churchy people. The churchy people is the ones that killed him. The Bible says that Jesus came for those. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for those of us that think that we have it all together. Jesus came for the people that know we are messed up. Jesus came for the sinners and he was a friend of sinners and he got rebuked before, because of it and they got rebuked because of it. And so that whole message was that Jesus came for the least of these, for me and for you and those of us that know we need him. And as a Christian, my job should not be to run around hanging out with churchy people. My job should be to love on the least of these, not the righteous people, but the people that need to know Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Week three, last week, Pastor Jordan preached a very fantastic message called Follow Me. And he dug into the, um, the ministry of Jesus and his calling of his disciples, the calling of Levi and Matthew. And, and, and he dug into all of that. It was fantastic. And he talked about the call that we have. And his points were the call comes with a cost. The call comes with critics. Everybody say amen. amen. The call makes us complete and the call is contagious. So that brings us to today. This title of the message of the, the series is The Timeline. And I want to do something completely different than what we have been doing. I want to walk you through the timeline of the last 24 hours that Jesus was on the earth before he died. I'm not talking about resurrection and all that. I'm talking about before he died, the last 24 hours. What did that look like? What did he go through? What did he walk through for his last 24 hours while he was on the earth? If you're taking notes, the title to the message is it should have been me. It should have been me. And as I'm getting started, I want us to start in Isaiah 53. Isaiah gives a prophetic word that's way before Jesus is ever even born. And I want to read you that prophetic word. But as I get ready to read it, would you just close your eyes and would you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you today? And I'm just going to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. 
Father, we're here to celebrate your death and your resurrection. We're here to celebrate what you have done for us. You paved the way for us to know you. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, as I begin to speak, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Use me today. And Lord, I love you and thank you and praise you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53, I want to read to you verses 3 through 6. And here's what it says. It says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God. Listen to this. A punishment for his own sins. Verse five. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. Now, in case you don't understand how mind-blowing this is, you know, when we read that, it's obvious to us that he's talking about Jesus. Why is it obvious that he's talking about Jesus? Because he literally defines what happened to Jesus. He was beaten for our, uh, so that we could be made whole. He was pierced. All the different things that happened to Jesus. Isaiah penned this in a prophetic word, but this was 400 years before Jesus was even born. Now allow that to sink into your mind. Isaiah spoke this into existence 400 years before Jesus even came. And to a T, he nailed down what Jesus was going to do for us. So let's walk through this 24 hours. Jesus' last 24 hours. We're going to start with Thursday evening. So Thursday evening, Jesus has a meal with his disciples. And that meal is called, you guys are awesome, the Last Supper. He has a meal with his disciples and later that evening, it says that they go out to the garden and, uh, and Jesus prays at this garden. And so I want to read to you, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 26, I want to read to you what this looks like as he's at the garden so we can experience this here together. It says in verse 39, he went on a little farther and he bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Wow. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me even for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42 then Jesus left them a second time and he prayed, Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went and prayed a third time. Everybody say a third time. Saying the same things again. Father, if this cup could pass from me, but your will be done. Then he came to his disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, 
The time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. All throughout this series, the timeline, we've been using video clips to help illustrate and show and help you kind of be there and see what was happening at the time that we were talking about. And so today we're going to use some clips from the Passion, and I want to go ahead and share with you our very first clip. You know, it's so easy for us to think that because Jesus was the son of God and because he was divine, that it really wasn't that big of a deal. Like because he was divine, it wouldn't have been like me getting crucified. It wouldn't have been like me dying on the cross. I mean, he could have like numbed the pain or he could have whatever because he was divine. But if you watch that and you understand what Jesus does in those scriptures, y'all, three times, three times he says, I really don't want to do this. If you can make any other way, I would be really okay with any other way. You can feel the anguish coming off of him in the video. Three different times he goes and he prays. He's got no help from his disciples. They're sleeping. Three different times he says, any other way, any other way, any other way. But... I love them so much that if this is the only way, then I'll do it. Your will be done. That was Thursday night as he prayed in the garden. As he's praying, he's praying for several hours and then it comes to be Friday morning. Everybody say Friday morning. And as you saw in the video, he says his betrayer's coming. And so I want, I want to read you this next part. Starting in verse 47, 
He's praying. He's got no backup from his disciples. He's asking the Lord any other way, any other way. Why? Because he knows what this beating's going to feel like. Because he knows what has to happen. And so Friday morning, it says, and even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The, the traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Wow. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greeting, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him a kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus said to him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. But you realize, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. In other words, I could get out of this if I wanted to. But listen to this next part, 54. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen next? Yeah, 
So Thursday night, he has a meal with his people. Thursday night, he goes and he begins to pray. Pray that he doesn't have to do what he knows that he has to do. Friday morning, early, early Friday morning, the wee hours, he is betrayed and he is arrested. Next in the timeline, he goes through three trials. So they take him before three different trials, ending with the trial with Pilate. And most of us know the story of what happened with Pilate. Y'all, Pilate is, um, Pilate doesn't want to crucify Jesus for several reasons. Reason number one is his wife tells him not to. How many of you know if wife tells you not to do something, you know it's a bad idea. <laughs> so Pilate sends, his wife sends a message saying this man is innocent. You, you better not touch this man. And so Pilate tries to convince the Sanhedrin and he tries to convince the Romans and he tries to convince everyone several different ways. He brings this guy named Barabbas out and Barabbas is like somebody that's really, really hated because he's a murderer and he's horrible. And he's like, dude, if I just bring them Barabbas, they're going to pick to kill Barabbas and then Jesus can be let go. And so he brings Barabbas out thinking that this is going to solve the problem. And they begin to, they begin to scream, release Barabbas at his trial. And so Pilate, not knowing what else to do, he has him bring out a bowl of water and he takes his hands and he says, Mom, I'm washing my hands of this because I don't think that this is a good idea. My wife done told me it wasn't and I know he's an innocent man. I'm washing my hands of this. And they begin to scream, his blood will be on our hands in the hands of our children. And he says, okay. So he releases them to Jesus to be crucified. So Jesus goes and he has supper with his friends. He goes, right, he hasn't had any sleep. He goes and he has supper with his friends. He goes and he prays in anguish. The Bible says that while he was praying, he's praying so intently because he knew what was coming that sweat began to fall from his head and drip to the ground like drops of blood. And then he's betrayed and he's arrested. He goes on trial. And when he goes on trial, he now is put to be executed. And the Bible says that they bring him. And they take our Lord and our Savior and they chain him up to a whipping post. And they grab these sticks. And the first thing that they do is they begin to beat him over and over again. 
You know why he willingly took that beating and allowed them to give him that beating? Because just like he told Peter, I could call angels down from heaven right now and stop this. He willingly took that beating because he loved us so much. And he knew that that beating was the only way that you and I could be made whole. Remember what Isaiah said. Isaiah said he was beaten 400 years, over 400 years before Jesus came. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. And then after they beat him, they took what they called a cat of nine tails. And then right after they beat him, they, be, they then begin to whip him. Bible says that he was whipped so that we could be healed. The only way that we could receive the healing, the salvation, the physical healing, the mental healing, the spiritual healing that we receive from God is because he allowed himself to be whipped. Now he was whipped with what they call the cat of nine tails. This, this, this right here does not even almost justify what they whipped him with. It was, it was very much more similar to what they showed up there. But this is what uh, a typical Roman cat of nine tails had on it. Look at this. So there was a wooden handle and then there was these really thick leather, nine leather straps that came off of that handle and embedded into these straps, they put um, bone fragments, they put metal strips and they put lead balls and metal balls. So every single time, 39 times, Every single time that they swung that whip and they hit Jesus, it ripped the flesh off of his back. He took that for me. He took that for you. It should have been us because it's our sin that he's taken that beating for. But he took it for us. Then the Bible says after they beat him and after they whipped him, the Bible says that they stripped him down. And they took a robe and put it on him. And they began to weave a thorn bush into a crown. And the Bible says that they took that crown and they put it on his head and they pressed it down into his head so that the thorns would go into his head. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be nasty or, or graphic or whatever. I'm trying to help you understand what he did for you and for me and what that means because Isaiah clearly defines what it meant when he got beaten. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. What it meant for him to be whipped. He was whipped so that we could have healing. Amen. Then they put this crown of thorns on him. They shoved it down into his head. So now he's been, he's been betrayed. He's been tried. 
to execution. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He hasn't had any sleep. He is drained and tired and now went through all of this torture. And now he has to carry his own instrument of death, the cross. I want to, before the cross comes out, I want to explain a little bit about the cross because, you know, we, we have crosses there. We tattoo crosses on us and wear them on our necklaces and we, we, we have this instrument. But let me, let me share with you this cross that Jesus carried after he was beaten and whipped. And it, this, this cross was supposedly over 300 pounds. So this man that hasn't had any sleep and he's been beaten nearly to death and he's had the flesh ripped completely off of his body now has to carry this 300 pound cross to where they're going to kill him. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he couldn't even make it all the way to where he was going. So he carries this cross and he falls over and they have this guy, Simon of Serene, that comes and helps him to carry this cross. You know how far he has to carry this? Bear with me. He has to carry this cross almost half a mile, 600 meters. That he has to carry this cross up to Golgotha. Daddy, you can bring that and put it right here. So he carries his cross. And then when they get him to the cross, after he's been beaten, after he's been whipped, after all of this has happened, when they get him to the cross, they then have to nail him with spikes to the cross. Would you lay it down right here? Now these can't just be small nails, y'all, because they have to hold his body up until he dies. And so they take these big spikes and they lay our Lord and Savior on a cross. And they begin to hammer him onto it.
I think so many times we don't fully understand what him dying on that cross did for us. And so I want to take just a minute and I want to explain to you what him dying on that cross did for you and did for me. Listen, the Bible says that we've all sinned. Somebody say amen. Amen. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because we sin, it started with Adam and Eve, because they sinned, there was a separation between us and God. And for thousands of years, there was a separation between us and God. God used specific people and he would speak to specific people and those kind of things. But there was never, the common person could not have a relationship with God for years. There was a separation. Sin was the separation. And the, and the, the Bible very clearly states that the wages of sin, help me out, is death. So in order for a sin to be forgiven, there has to be death. If you look at the Old Testament, they would kill goats and they would kill doves and they would kill, they would sacrifice all of these different things, things to cover their sins with the blood of these animals. And because of what he did, the death price for my sin and your sin was paid right here. Because the Bible says that you sin and I sin. No longer do we have to kill animals. No longer do we have to spill blood. Because of the blood that he spilled on the cross, he became that sacrifice of death for you and for me. It should have been us. But he paid that price so that it didn't have to be us. He sent his son because he loved us so much. And he didn't want to be separated from us. And he allowed his son and had his son sacrifice himself for me and for you. He took our place. He destroyed the separation between us and God. And that's why we no longer have to have a priest to get forgiveness. Why we no longer have to hear God through someone else. Why we no longer have to focus on the law or make sacrifices because he was the ultimate sacrifice that paid for our sin. So Jesus' last 24 hours, he has a meal with his friends. He goes and he prays that all of that doesn't have to take place. Three times, he prays, God, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way, I don't wanna do that, but I will do it for them. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He's taken to trial. He's beaten. He's whipped. He's stripped. He's humiliated. He's spit on. He's got this crown of thorns that they put on him. He drags his own instrument of torture across to Golgotha. They nail him on a cross. And at about 3 p.m., he dies on that cross. He allowed all of that to take place so that he could take our sin and our judgment on himself. Y'all, that's huge. It should have been us that had to pay a price for our own sin. But Jesus did it for us. In closing this morning, I want to ask you to stand. And as you're standing, I want to ask our, uh, our worship team. Will you guys step out and come join me on the stage? 
So Jesus died at about 3 p.m. on Friday. He was taken to a grave. He was put in a grave. They rolled this stone over this grave. And this is the kind of the funny part. After they roll this stone over this grave, they set guards out. They set guards out because they think that someone's going to take his body. And then early Sunday morning, Early Sunday morning, the Sunday morning that we're celebrating right now is the morning that Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, he went down and he took the keys from Satan and he conquered death and he rose again so that you and I, so that we could rise again, so that we could have eternal life with him. I'm going to ask you this morning to bow your heads and close your eyes. Altar team, would you guys come and help me up in the front? This morning, we're going to do something different. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to honor our King, our Lord, our Savior for what he did for you and me on the cross. And so we're going to spend about a song, maybe two songs in here before we go and we eat and we have our Easter egg hunt, all of that. That's not what's important. What's important is what's going on right now. What's important is us acknowledging our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords for what he's done. So in just a second, we're going to have five crosses up at the very front of this church. And I want us to honor Jesus for what he did on the cross. I wanna focus our altar time on three things. Number one, if you're like me and you just wanna go and you wanna honor him, you wanna bow before his cross, the, the, the song that we sang for the cross a while ago talked about bowing before the cross, getting saved at the feet of the cross. And in just a second, we're gonna have crosses all at the front of this. There's five crosses. And what I'm gonna ask you to do, it says that he took our sin on the cross. So we have some hammers and we have some nails. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I wanna get rid of my sin. I wanna leave my sin as an act of faith on the cross. And you wanna nail your sin to the cross. In just a second, you're gonna be able to do that. Maybe, maybe you're saved and you love the Lord, but you wanna thank him for what he's done for you. 
You want to come and experience Jesus in a new way. And you want to bow at the feet of the cross. And you want to take a hammer. And you want to get rid of your sin altogether. Maybe you're here today. And whenever I kept saying, by his stripes, you're healed. By his stripes, you're healed. Maybe you're here today and you need to have some healing. Whatever that looks like for you, here's what I'm going to invite you to do in just a second. When we start to sing this song, will you, we have our altar team that's all up here. If you need prayer, they would love to pray for you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, they would love to allow you to, to, to help you walk through what that looks like. If you need to nail your sin to the cross, come on, let's worship him and experience him in a new way. Come right now. Let's sing this song.